Welcome to Marla by the Numbers, Season 1 of the podcast series from the International Association of Fairs and Expositions. I'm Marla Calico, President and CEO of the IAFE, and I'll be your host for this 2020 series. Our guest today is Ray O'Day, Executive Director of the National Independent Concessionaires Association. Listen in to our conversation. Welcome, Ray. It's really a treat to have you as a guest on our IFE podcast. You know, you and I have known each other for a a long time. We go back several years to when you used to be on the LA County Fair staff. And of course, we've had the, the pleasure of working with you over the last dozen or so years as an instructor for our IFE Institute of Fair Management. But I think, uh, you know, and now with being the executive director of NICA, we're working together all the time. But I bet you there's some in our audience that don't really know how you got started in the fair business. What's the, what's the backstory? Well, Marla, I have been in the fair world my whole life. When I was a child, my home fair was the Marin County Fair in Northern California. And my grandfather was a nurseryman. And so, you know, those those 10 by 10 squares that you make and you put plants into and they show them as uh, competitive exhibits. Well, every summer, I went to the Marin County Fair and helped my grandparents make one. So that was kind of kind of where I started with all of that. And I grew up with a man who loved green beans and tomatoes and raspberries and, and uh, beautiful camellias. And that little did I know that that was going to be part of my life going on from there. Uh, in the early part of my, oh, I don't know, being a young adult, I guess, <laughs> I was a singer-dancer. And... Uh, I auditioned for a show, and in the process, I traveled with Johnny Mathis and Kate Smith. My favorite tours were with Perry Como and Tennessee Ernie Ford. With Perry Como, uh, as a 18-year-old, I actually got to travel all of the Midwest state fairs. And in those days, we played a week, not a day. So I got to really meet those people and, and in those towns and become part of that. And with Tennessee, Ernie Ford, Ernie as we call them. Um, anyway, we went to the Corn Palace, Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show, where we played a week, uh, a week with him, and then a week with Jim Neighbors, and a week with um, Eddie Arnold. We played the Texas State Fair, where we played the whole time there as well. So my career in fairs began with Tennessee Ernie Ford and Perry Como and singing and dancing and looking at a lot of people and buying my first pieces of jewelry, which I still own today. <laughs> well, and I know that that, uh, that dancing career has influenced and, and still uh, drives you in the way that you think and look at things. And so kind of fast forward, what, was, what exactly was your role at the LA County Fair and how long were you there? Well, first at the LA County Fair, I don't know if you know this, but I own an entertainment company called Wings of Fame Productions, and we built their Thummer, their costumed character. It was our company that built that first. And then I had a very good friend who worked there, and he said, would you like to come here and um, work with us? And I did do that. And I was there 18 years. And in that time, I learned lots of things. I learned that uh, food and beverage was a great passion of mine. I learned that entertainment had many, many aspects. I had also given a workshop for IAPA about how entertainment does length of stay. Uh, length of stay, of course, drives per capita spending. And so my entertainment world also sees the whole fairgrounds as a set to dress. 
And so that's how I see the world affairs is kind of from a choreographer director viewpoint, except for the fact that I like to eat my way across it and shop my way across it. <laughs> well, and, and definitely all of that experience at the LA County Fair, one of the greatest fairs here in this uh, United States, uh, positioned you well to lead NICA and, and help with them. You've done some strategic planning for them. You served in an interim role. And, and now as their executive director, I'm really uh, pleased that we get to work with you in that role as this is a united industry and I, I think now more so than ever uh, in this era of how COVID has impacted us we have to work together and so you and I've had a lot of conversations about how fairs and food concessionaires and and all of all of our uh, vendors and operators need to work so closely with health departments and that's been a, a big thing with you you've always talked about uh, the role that that we have to work in terms of health and safety so as we get ready to think about the impact of health and safety today I think there's a few basics that you always reminded us about maybe four things perhaps yes I know this is by the numbers and uh, so the, the first four things that, uh, that we actually learned because the relationship we had wasn't strong and we went to the health department and we said, what are the things that matter? What saves lives? And when we did that with the communication committee, uh, we came together and we decided that the, the, the absolutely most important things were that you had working vital services that had to do with hot water, cold water, sewer, electricity, that you cannot function without that. The second thing was that food had to be at temperature no matter what. And that meant it hot, that was 140, and it cold, it was 41, and somewhere in between was not a good place to be. That you needed to be hot food hot or cold food cold. And that was sort of uh, important and that you carry thermometers to make sure that happens, you know, wherever you, you do that. And that includes just general food handling, you know, even in your own home, remember that the raw food is on the bottom and the cooked food is on the top, you know, to kind of keep that going. Uh, you always want to be careful, especially if you're at fairgrounds, that vermin infestations matter, uh, whether, whatever that is, whether it's mice, rats, skunks, whatever. We have to keep them out of food, cockroaches, that kind of thing. Very, very important. And then the thing that, that we carry forward every single day is that we have to wash, rinse, and sanitize, which really means wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And to me, those are the four priority areas that we always want to look at. But you are doing a piece by the numbers, and I'm a dancer. And so for me, it's five, six, seven, eight with the health department, you cannot wait absolutely and that you know that brings us up today and of course we're recording this in the fall of 2020 we anticipate that uh, this will air later this fall and and the situation with the COVID-19 uh, the coronavirus pandemic and crisis is changing every day but through this we've been learning some critical things and so what are those points five six seven and eight that are, are pressing us with the relationships with our health department and, and why we cannot wait what a good question to ask. <laughs> going on, I'm not sure I really know the answer, but I have some really some good thoughts about it because I've now visited some fairs, I've visited some food drive-throughs, I have visited uh, fairs that have have looked at things, been canceled, all that kind of thing, and and asked lots of questions. So I think that that our five, six, seven, and eight, which probably will become five, six, seven, and eight several times over. Uh, We'll begin with, um, if you are sick, stay home. 
And that's a, a really important thing, no matter who, where you work at the fair or what you do. The second thing is I think the mask really is important to what's gonna happen. I think the public uh, is concerned and when they see a mask by someone who serves them, whether it's on a ride or it's at the gate or wherever that is, uh, it gives them a sense of confidence. And, um, and then we know there are people who don't want to wear them, but I have to tell you that I believe that, you know, it's no service when you have no shirt, no shoes, no service. And I think we're going to see fares go to no mask, no service as well. Uh, and I've actually seen signage of that at a fair this week. So I think that that's going to be a really important thing to do. Socially distancing is going to be challenging for us. We know that six feet marks on the ground. Um, people will stand on them if they're there. But when we're just walking down the aisles or we're just walking through the midway or whatever, how do we do that? And um, I think, you know, we'll come up with something, but it's a math problem, plain and simple. It's a math problem and we have to figure that out. And I think it has to do with designating areas. It has to do with designating seating, designating where people eat. So masking and distancing, I think we're going to become the two physical things that, um, that we're going to have to do. And I think there's going to be lots of other things that are going to be single service, you know, what we touch, what we don't touch, what's a sanitary manner, that kind of thing. But I think, I think the big number eight is going to be staying in touch with your health department. Mm -hmm. It is to be, don't be out of, out of sight, out of mind in this time of COVID and that it's really important that you be in touch with your health department. That's got to be the big number eight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to circle back to that one because I do think we want to spend some time on it, but I do have a couple of follow-up questions on, on the other points that you've talked about. So, you know, we hear all the time from all of the authorities, if you're sick, stay home, if you're sick, stay home. What are your thoughts with regard to the concessionaires and their multiple employees, carnivals with their employees, fairs with their employees and volunteers. Uh, any thoughts on how we can help encourage that good behavior with that audience? You know, we can't control the fair audience, the guests, but, but with those internal audiences, any thoughts on how we're gonna help get that message across? Well, yes, I think first we have to just say we're gonna do it. And I think all of this in order to happen has to be enforced. You know, we can talk about six feet and we can talk about masks and we can talk about stay home, but we have to figure out how to enforce it. So I think um, I know a fair right now that actually every single employee that comes to their grounds goes to a certain gate. When they get to that gate, they get sent to a building and there they take their temperature. They actually answer questions about um, our, you know, how they're feeling that day and they are wristbanded and then they go to their workstation. And so that's a process that's very clear. And you know that if you don't have a wristband, you shouldn't be working. Uh, at the same time, we're gonna to have to accommodate people who show up to, to work and who don't get to. We're gonna to have to figure out how we fill those positions, whether, wherever it is on the grounds. And so we're probably gonna to have to think about scheduling and how, how that works. Uh, because we can't make it, you know, we can't be punitive about it in any way, shape or form. We, we need to know that. Uh, I think also we could ask the, the, at every workstation, you know, every stand, every, wherever that is, we can also just simply take temperatures and have people fill out surveys or whatever those are that says, how do I feel today? Do I have a cough? You know, do I have a headache? You know, those seem to be the questions and they're, they seem to be pretty common actually. I think, mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue is we will have to commit to do things that take more time than we want to do. 
that's just mm -hmm. what it boils down to. Yeah, and absolutely. So uh, the next one was on mask, and and you know we could have lots of conversations on that. But uh, I, you said you just knew of a fair where they had the signs, no mask, no service, and I actually happened today to be on Facetime with someone who was showing me such a sign at um, at a concession stand, and I was wondering, have you had any conversations with the NICA members to to know if they're faced with that? situation for example if they're mandated to put that kind of sign up um what what the situation is going to be for them any any thoughts on that well concessionaires are people so there's going to be a whole spectrum of how they feel about that mm -hmm. uh, but we all know that when we work at a fair the fair pretty much makes the guidelines and the rules and mm -hmm. that's going to differ um geographically across the country to some degree uh, if we're at a fair and the fair says no mask, no service, and that's on their barbecue or stand and that's at their front gate, then that is what's going to happen. I mean, that has to be enforced and we're, we're kind of back to that. And I think it means that the guest wears them and that it also means that the employees wear them at every point in that circumstance. Now, I know other circumstances where uh, there there's a, a choice about whether the guest does it, but the employees are required to do it. And I know other circumstances where the employees, if they're cooking in the back and it's really hot, they don't have to, but they can choose to when they're serving the customer directly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think all of this has to be driven by creating confidence from the guest that it's safe and it's sanitary and that they're, they're going to be okay. So uh, the social distancing, I think you and I both have visited some fairs this summer and we've seen, again, the as you pointed out, the marks on the grounds or any type of signage certainly does make a difference. Uh, but I do want to delve a little bit farther into um, the, the talk about a designated area, for example, for eating. Uh, we all know that in our fair layouts, we're typically cheek to jowl and real estate is sometimes in inches. Uh, is, does this mean that in terms of our planning, we're going to have to make some sacrifices as to what we have in order to not only spread out stands, but also to create some designated seating area? Absolutely, yes. I think that... Um, we are going to have to look carefully at how we lay our grounds out and it has to do with capacity it has to do with how close they are together how far apart they are uh, if in fact we have designated areas which by the way i see designated seating areas at fairs all the time that's not new it's really going to be the layout of that seating is it going to be closer together or further apart seating out of fairgrounds is not a new idea and one of the things that that we know is that seating actually encourages people to eat and encourages them to stay longer because it makes them comfortable it will not be a new concept for people to have seating it will be a new concept to spread it apart and to designate the people to go to it. And I think it will be harder for the customer, frankly, to go to the seating and eat uh, because we have, you know, we have we have been a walk around food uh, uh, brand. I mean, that's what we've been. So I think that that challenge is going to be how where that brand's going to land and where the customer is going to get comfortable and, you know, how we're going to do that. And then I think it has to be signed. You know, if we don't have signage, then we really can't do designated seating. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's, I think that's how it's going to work. I think the placing of things is going to have to do with capacity. And I, 
you know, we have to talk about capacity at some point, but, but socially distancing is challenging without giving people visual markers and without giving them enough space to do it in. So as you, I know you uh, with NICA, you have a great relationship with uh, with Cisco and other great providers across the company that are across the country that that provide the items uh, that that concessionaires need in terms of meeting this need with the changes for single service type items uh, you know, we're not going to be able to see the condiment, the big ketchup thing out there on the counter. We're going to see single serve type things. Um, I guess they're ramping up and capable of meeting the needs for all of those single service type items. They are definitely doing that, but I think that there's a bigger picture to that. There was a big push before COVID about how do we get rid of packaging? How do we make things, you know, it's, that's that, you know, how do we protect our world? We're in that conversation now. And so now we're going to increase packaging. And I think there's going to be a backlash to that as well. And we're going to have to find that out. But I do know that there's a lot of folks working on things where you put your hands under something and it pumps it. Uh, we know we already have that mechanism. Uh, whether we're going to see that in condiments or not will be interesting. Uh, we already know that people can take people's temperature and photograph by walking by something. So I think that some of that kind of technology is going to make its way into food service in terms of, you know, how we uh, how we supply things like that. I, I have to tell you, I have to giggle when I go to a restaurant and they hand me a rolled up napkin with, with silverware in it like nobody's touched it because somehow that's not how that happened. You know? So I just kind of look at that and go, really? But I also know that uh, our, our concessionaires have been using for years uh, prepackaged that's purchased from, you know, Fair Foods or Cisco or whomever, and it is prepackaged. The napkin, the salt, the pepper, the, the silverware is in that package. Probably the most sanitary way to do it that we have. But packaging is going to be one of the real challenges that's going to come out of COVID. Great. Well, in the time left, let's talk about number eight, which again, I, I think in this day is perhaps even the most important of all of these, because uh, getting the, the relationship, building a relationship with the health department, being able to have conversations, honest conversations about this is critical. So I know uh, in your days at LA County Fair, you work to establish a, a, a set of communications with your health departments. What's some of your advice on, on how fairs and food concessionaires and carnival operators can be working with their local health authority. What happens is that, it's, that all of us are people in all of these agencies. And so we are working with people in every single instance. And when we can bring together, you know, some kind of, it's about communication. When we bring communication together, whether it's from carnivals or from commercial or from food and beverage or suppliers, wherever it is, and the fair is bringing that together, we can sit down together and find out what matters. And when we bring the health department into the room and we, and, and we need to do that, we need to be going visiting them, they need to be visiting us. One of the questions needs to be, how do we better serve the event together? Uh, at, at LA, it was very hot fair. Uh, it was 400 acres. There were um, probably six to eight inspectors from the health department there. 
And they didn't really even have a place to go find a glass of water, except to go to a food stand and get a glass of water from the people that they were inspecting or that kind of thing. And so one of the things we did is we just said to them, what would make this work better? And we found that simply by giving them a space that they could gather and congregate and they could sit down and have tables and they could have a meeting with somebody. So if there was a problem, they could invite them to a place to talk about it rather than in the stand being the only place that they could talk about it. So I think the first thing you want to do is what do we need to do to, to create spaces that will comfortably make us do business well together and professionally? I think that's important. I think that we um, we want to get a sense of what the priorities are of what saves lives. Um, you know, we're we're in that kind of conversation. So I think that that's how I got my first four. You know, you got to have hot water, you got to wash your hands, and you know, you got to keep food at temperature. Those are the basic, basic, basics. And uh, and and sanit sanitary sanitizing goes right along with that. And the way we learned that was we simply asked the question. What, you know, if you have to prioritize and some are going to say, I don't want to prioritize, but you're going to say sooner or later, you have to, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, and then we, I think we have to ask the questions, what are required to protect our employees and guests? You know, we have, we all have a responsibility, meaning fairs, vendors, companies, everybody has a, has a responsibility to protect our employees and then together to protect our guests because without our guests we don't have an event we're just pretending and uh, that's that's that, that's a struggle we're facing right now we are we are really about gathering people together that's the core of what we do and so we're going to have to find out ways to stay safe together and do that uh, and we have to know what that means from the health department so the health departments are different styles some are free market they're kind of willing to collaborate and say, okay, how do we get through this? And some of them are more reluctant and they're, you know, they're, they're concerned because they don't want to do anything that would, you know, hurt anybody. And, and sometimes I think they're more fear-based than concern-based. Uh, and, 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 but we can help move that process. So sometimes you get people that just know it's this way and no other way. And, and then other times you find cir circumstances where people's hands are tied. And you have to kind of ascertain that situation. I can tell you that an affair I know right now, um, the governor and the fair manager had spoken. They agreed that the fair was going to happen, but somehow the health department didn't get that word. And what the fair manager learned um, about a week before the fair was that anyone who was calling the health department to get uh, a license was being told we're not issuing them because that was their stance, we're not issuing them. And it wasn't until he learned that, that he could go back to the governor and say, uh, we need to talk to the health department and tell them they can really issue those permits because we've issued the agreements. Just wanted to follow up on that that issue there with you know the differences of, of opinions, the, the different styles and that type of thing. And, and again, it comes back to that communication. Do you think there's anything that a fair can do to be proactive in terms of um, positioning themselves? Uh, should they be going in and being proactive with we're prepared to do this or is it more the first step is listening to 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 find out? I you know what 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 do you think is the best path to go on that? I think listening is always the best first choice. I think to find some questions and then to listen. And then I think also to say back what you heard so that you, that you actually receive agreement from the person speaking that in fact they believe that you understand. Because until you have that basic agreement, it will be very hard to move further from that place. And then once you do that, then you will engage in a conversation and um, and, and you'll, figure, you'll figure out how to move forward from there. Uh, some of that's gonna be, 
you know, let's, I mean, let's talk about capacity. We have to understand from them if they're going to talk about capacity in terms of 400 acres and 50 people or 400 acres and 50% of paid attendance. You know, I mean, that's that you have to you have to understand where the terms are and what where you're going to come from and then work from there. And until till we have listened and heard those things, we won't know where that's going to go. So I think that's always the first thing we do. Uh, then I think also you have to put a plan together. We can say we're going to social distance, but it's very hard to do if we if we don't if we don't have a plan about how to do that. And I think that that's something that we can encourage them to participate in. Sometimes you're going to find people that are reluctant, but most of the time, when people realize that we're that we're all there together to to work, and I and that's why I encourage communication committees of different places on the grounds together. Uh, it begins to make sense to people what happens. I'm, I'm amazed at how it falls into place about what works, what works positively, how to take the math that needs to be there and um, put that all together in a relationship uh, that works well with, with our uh, benefiting our, both our, our county and, and our health departments and our local people and our politicians and our fair goers and our event that so desperately wants to be held. And we're on, on our, our folks that want to get back to work. <laughs> exactly right. We all want to get back to work. Well, Ray, we've about come to the end of our time. Uh, any type of a wrap-up comment that you want to share with our listeners today? I would say ask for what you want. Be bold about that. It's important that you, that you understand what matters. And uh, when you realize what that is, then you know, you know where to, to um, make it happen. And always, always remember that we are the advocate for the fair goer because they're never in the room when we're in these conversations. And we really must advocate for them first. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, Ray O'Day, thank you so much for being with us today on Marla by the Numbers. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing everyone out on the fair run and trail in uh, 2021. So thank you so very much. Join me next time for episode number four for a conversation with Danny Aguilar, the assistant manager of the Delaware State Fair, when he talks about the five things he learned from operating a full fair in the midst of a pandemic. Thanks for joining me for Marla by the Numbers. To find out more about the IAFDNR members, please go to our website, www.fairsandexpos.com, or visit our Facebook page, IAFE, the network.